Good afternoon, or is it good evening, our dear listeners? Uh, I greet you all in the name of Jesus, and uh, thank you for taking time to tune in to this uh, radio broadcast. We're live uh, from Falls FM, and this is your brother, Brother Mwila, and I bring you good news. The gospel is good news, so I bring you the gospel of Jesus. Let us pray before we get into what we'll be looking at today. Father, we thank you. We bless your name in Jesus' name. We submit ourselves now as vessels for your use. Use us for your glory. And cause that the words that are going to come out of these lips of clay, Father, we will bless those that are hearing us even now. And you will cause us to profit out of your word in Jesus' name. Cause that the entrance of your word may bring light and make the simple wise, yes, even wise unto salvation, the salvation that is found in Jesus, your son. It is in Jesus' name that we have prayed with our hearts full of thanks. Amen and amen. Uh, Dear listeners, last week... (coughs) Uh, I shared a message entitled, You Are Without Excuse. You Are Without Excuse. And we're just saying that uh, there will be no man that will have an excuse before God. No man is going to have an excuse uh, before God as far as uh, the truth is concerned on the day of judgment. The Bible says all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And no man is going to have an excuse. For those who have heard the gospel, the gospel is going to be the witness against you. Because you heard the gospel, but you hardened your heart. You did not receive the gospel. Even for individuals who have never heard the gospel, we saw in the book of Romans chapter number 1 that there's something in creation that is going to bear witness against every man because the very existence of the things that we see is evidence that there is a God. And as such, no man will say that I didn't know. Yeah, today... I just want to build on uh, uh, that sharing by focusing on one of two uh, important uh, uh, concepts from the scriptures that we shared. We shared two important concepts from scripture. Uh, One of them was uh, uh, the word substitution. The other one was the word identification. Today, I want to spend time on substitution. And in the week, in the, in, in the following week, we're going to uh, focus on identification, uh, God willing. So I'm going to read from the book of Leviticus. I'm going to read from verses number, from verses number one. I'll be skipping some portions of it because my interest is in verses 20 and 21. And the Lord spoke unto Moses after the death of two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron, your brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bulldog for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen uh, breeches upon his flesh and shall be clothed with a linen belt and with a linen meter shall he be attired. These are the holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and so put them on. And he shall take off the congregation of the children of Israel two kinds of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock for the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the Lord fell to be the scapegoat shall he shall shall be preserved alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat in the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. I'm going to jump to verses number uh, 20. And when he has made an end of reconciling the holy place, and the tabernacle of the congregation, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, and confess over all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away, by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the God shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the God in the wilderness. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to read up to uh, verses number 22. So we're looking at the subject called substitution. We're looking at broadly uh the work of Christ and in looking at the work of Christ we see that the work of Christ is generally twofold in in terms of its effect Christ's death was a substitution but also we see that there is identification in his death our focus uh, this afternoon is on substitution now what is a substitute what is a substitute? 
what is the substitute um, I, i'll try to give a definition of the word substitute just generally from the uh, from the uh, dictionary and say how it is used so the word substitute are uh, from some of the words i'm saying it says a, re a replacement a substitute can be a replacement you see a substitute in the case in the case that we're looking at maybe maybe an individual that takes the place of another i remember in mathematics we used to solve simultaneous equations and there were basically two methods of solving them there was one by substitution where you substitute the value of x or y and then you go on in solving so the death of christ on the cross as we did allude to last week jesus did not die because of what he had done his death was not a payment for his own sin his death was a payment for the sins of the world the bible tells us in the book of second corinthians chapter number 5 and verses 21 second corinthians chapter number 5 and verses 21 the bible says for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god in him he has made him god has made jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be the righteousness of god in christ so now the work that christ did on the cross was partly as a substitute that means that it was not him who was supposed to die the sinner was supposed to die why because the bible tells us in the book of romans that the wages of sin is death the wages of sin is death but the free gift but the free gift of god is eternal life the wages of sin is death that means that Good afternoon uh, dear listeners. Uh this is your brother brother Mwela and you're tuned into uh Pause FM and this is your Lubuto radio show and I will continue uh, this afternoon with teaching the subject that I started uh, uh two weeks ago on the work of Christ. Last week we focused on a substitution but this week on this particular broadcast we're going to focus on identification but before we do that let us pray and submit ourselves before god shall we pray father we thank you in the name of jesus thank you for the privilege of sharing the gospel 
Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to preach your word. Thank you even for our dear listeners who are tuned into this radio show this afternoon. Father, I pray that you will cause the entrance of your word to bring light in every area of darkness in their lives. In the name of Jesus, that you will cause the entrance of your word to bring salvation, light and salvation in the name of Jesus. We submit our thoughts now to you. We submit our lips of of clay to you, Holy Spirit, that you may use us this afternoon to bring glory and honor to your name. Even as we ponder on the subject, touching on the work of Christ that was accomplished uh, more than 2,000 years ago, your name be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our dear listeners, like I said, we're going to continue with the subject, the work of Christ. And this afternoon, I'm going to be looking at one part of the work of Christ, which is identification. Just to recapitulate or just to repeat uh, a few things that we shared on substitution. So we said that the death of Christ on the cross was not his own death. He did not die because of what he had done. The Bible tells us that he was tempted in every point, yet without sin. Jesus was born in this world without sin. He was not born from the lineage of Adam, meaning that he was not born with the original sin, number one. Number two, we see that throughout uh, his time on the earth, he never sinned. He was tempted in every point, yet without sin. So he did not have the original sin. He did not also commit sin. And thus, that is what uh, qualified him uh, uh, to bring redemption to us humans. Now, today we're going to look at the second part of that work, and that is identification. Now, let me say this from the very beginning, that the death of Christ was twofold. The first part is what we've covered already, is that he died for us. Jesus died for the sinner. He died for you. He died for me. The second part is that Jesus died as me. Jesus died as me. He died as a sinner. Though he did not have sin, yet because of the cause of the sinner, he went on the cross. What took him to the cross was the sin of man. His very, his very name at his naming in Luke chapter number uh, 1 and 2 we see the Bible says he shall be called Jesus because he shall save his brethren from their sins. So Jesus is our savior. When he died on the cross, he died as a sinner. He died as me. He died as you, which means that as at an individual level, you can fully appropriate the work of Christ. You can say that when he died, you died. 
when he died, I died. I died with him. The Bible tells us in the book of Second uh, Corinthians, chapter number uh, five, verses uh, twenty-one. Second Corinthians, chapter number five, and verses. 21, the Bible says, For he has made him to be seen for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. The Bible says, God made Jesus to be seen who knew no sin, that we, may, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God made Jesus to be seen. And when he was going on the cross, he was bearing our sins. He was bearing our iniquities on the cross. And that is the reason why he died. He died for sinners. He died for you. He died for me. Hallelujah. In the book of Isaiah chapter number 53, I just want to read one or two uh, verses from verses number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see that he shall see of the travel of his soul and shall be satisfied by the uh, shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. He shall bear their iniquities. Let me just paraphrase verses eleven. He shall seal of the travel of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant make many righteous. Make many righteous. To justify means to make one righteous or to make one to be in right standing with God. For he shall carry their iniquities. He shall carry their iniquities. So we see that there on the cross when Jesus died, he was carrying our iniquities. He was bearing the sin of the world. John chapter number 1 verse 29. When John saw Jesus passing the other day, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, and that verse is descriptive of the practice uh, uh, during the time of Moses, during the time of the law, that when uh, uh, the high priest, the high priest was required uh, to uh, to have two gods, and he would place. He, he, he would place his hands on one of them and confess all the sins of the people. And by that practice, he transferred the iniquities. He transferred the transgressions. He transferred the sins of the people to the God. That is the God that was called a scapegoat. And having done that, that uh, God would be taken outside the city by a fit man into the wilderness where of course we know that in the wilderness in the wilderness it will be attacked and uh, consumed by uh, wild animals 
So that is the picture that we see in John 1, 29 when John says, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away, which takes away the sin of the world. In the ears of the Jew, that was very descriptive because the, 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 in the times of the law, that God that uh, or, 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 on whose head the sins of the people were confessed and was taken into the wilderness took away the sins of the people. It took away the sins of the people. However, we see from the book of Hebrews that the practices of the Old Testament were not perfect. They were just shadows of things to come because in the very act of doing that and what they did on the Day of Atonement, we see the Bible says that it did not take away the consciousness of sin. Though they knew that the, 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 their, their sins were transferred to the Lamb, it did not take away the guilt in full. But this man talking about Jesus, when he took the sins of the world on the cross, the work was done in full. The work was completed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That is good news. That the work that Jesus did on the cross was permanent. It was permanent in that when he took away our sins, it was permanent in that when he took away the sins of the world and his body was torn and destroyed on the cross, God the Bible says that it pleased God to bruise him because only through that process was mankind uh, 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 given an opportunity to be reconciled back to God. Praise the Lord. The Bible says he shall justify many. Through that act, he has made many righteous. He has made many righteous. He has put us in right standing with God through that one act on the cross. Through that one act of obedience on the cross, he has made many righteous. He has justified us when he died on the cross. Praise the Lord. So I want us to consider a few uh, verses from the New Testament that show that the believer is indeed fully identified with Christ in death and not just in death alone, but also in burial and not just in burial alone, but also in. Uh, dear listeners, we're looking at the work of Christ and uh, we're focusing on identification. So we just want to look at the scriptures. Uh, from the New Testament that uh, show that the believer is identified with Christ, not just in his death, but also in his burial and in his subsequent uh, resurrection. So we're going to read Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6 uh, from verses number 3 to 4. Romans chapter number 6, if you have your Bible, uh, we'll read from chapter, uh, verses 3 to 4. I read, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, 
that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. In newness of life. So we see from this scripture, the Bible says that as many as were baptized in the death of Christ, as many as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death. Now you might be wondering what it means to be baptized into Christ. Well, to be baptized into Christ is uh, another terminology for getting saved. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ. So to be baptized in Christ is to literally to be placed in Christ. And that is what happens at the new birth. So the Bible says that as many as were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. So we see the believer is identified with Christ in his death. And not just in his death, in verses number four, we see, therefore, we are buried with him. Because we, are, we, are, we, are, we died with him, the Bible says, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even we also should walk in newness of life. So that means that we see a threefold identification of the believer with Christ. We see the believer identified with Christ in death. We see the believer identified with Christ in burial. We see the believer identified with Christ in resurrection. That was Romans chapter number 6, verses 3 to 4. I'll quickly turn to Galatians, Galatians chapter number 2. And verses 20, the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the Apostle Paul right into the church at Galatea, and he tells them, I am crucified with Christ. What we see here is also an identification. We are seeing Paul identifying himself with the crucifixion of Jesus. We see he's saying that when Jesus was crucified on the cross, I am crucified with him. I was crucified with him. And nevertheless, I live. But he goes on to acknowledge that the life that I now live is not my own. Why? Because my life was crucified with Christ on the cross. That is a full identification of the believer in the crucifixion and in the eventual death of Christ on the cross. But we see the second part of it, which is an identification of the believer in resurrection by saying that the life that I now live, though I was crucified, I live. I live because Jesus rose from, uh, he rose from the dead. Excuse me. Then we'll also read Romans chapter number six. We'll go back to Romans chapter number six. And we're going to look at verses 5 and 8. Verses 5 and 8. Romans 6, uh, verses 5 and 8. For if we have been planted together 
in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the bottle of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. This is another place in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that the believer is identified in the death of Christ. He says we are planted in his death. In the likeness of his death, we are planted. And because of that, we shall also, in the likeness of his resurrection, that as Christ was uh, buried, so was the believer buried. As Christ rose from the dead, so the believer rose together with him from the dead. Praise the Lord. I got back to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter number 3. I just want to show us uh, the scriptures uh, that show that the believer is fully identified with Christ, not just in death's burial, but also in uh, eventual resurrection. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, we know that the word baptized a baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to plunge, which means to immerse. So that means that believers have been immersed or plunged into Christ. And the process of being plunged into Christ involves death, it, it involves burial, it involves resurrection. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the book of Colossians. Colossians. Colossians chapter number 2, I read from verses number 12, 12, let me start from verses number 11, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the bottle of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Having forgiven you all trespasses. So we see that the believer indeed died with Christ, but also that Christ, as he rose from the dead, he rose together with the believer. So what happened, the picture that has been painted here is that the bottle of sin for the believer was buried with Christ. And that body remained in the grave. The bottle of sin remained in the grave such that when Christ was raised to life, the believer was raised together with him, not in the old life, the Bible calls it in the newness of life. And Colossians brings one more point saying that he quickened 
He has quickened us together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. That is good news. That is good news that when Christ rose from the dead, the believer rose up with Christ. And he didn't just rise up in the old self, but in the newness of life. And something extra happened. The Bible says, having forgiven all. All trespasses. So it means that whatever it is that the believer had done was forgiven. And the evidence of it is the resurrection of Christ, wherewith also the believer was raised with Christ. Praise the Lord. Lastly, we we look in the book of Second Timothy, chapter number 2, verses number 11. The Bible says, It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, that with is that is with Christ. We shall also live with Him. That is with Christ. Praise the Lord. The Bible is saying, if we died with Christ, we shall also live with Him. So this is Paul writing to Timothy, and he's just repeating this point over and over that the believer died with Christ, but the believer also rose up with Christ in the newness. Of life. So, what are we seeing here? We'll see that the believer is fully identified with Christ. And we'll see that the identification of the believer with Christ is threefold. The believer is identified with Christ in his death. In fact, if we start from, if we look at the full counsel of the scriptures we've considered, we'll see that when Christ was crucified, even before he died, the believer was crucified with him. This is why Paul can say, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. And of course, crucifixion, crucifixion from the point of view of the Romans and the culture of the time, crucifixion spells death. This is why crucifixion and death in this sense can be used interchangeably. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. That may also read, I am dead with Christ or I died with Christ because crucifixion was a method of death death. You are not just crucified, then they uh, somehow or another go to out of the cross and then let you free. Crucifixion spelt death. So when it says I'm crucified with Christ, it's literally saying I have died with Christ. Crucifixion spelt death. So the believer, like I was saying, is identified with Christ, number one, in his death. Number two, in his burial. Number three, in his resurrection. In his resurrection. Praise the Lord. This is why the Bible says in the book of Romans, the Bible says, if the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he shall by the same power Quicken your mortal bodies by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The believer is fully, and not just partly, he is fully identified with Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. The believer is fully identified with Christ. So we can conclude thus 
The, 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 the death of Christ on the cross was not just substitutionary in that he died for me, in that he died for you, in that he died for the sinner, but that the death of Christ on the cross means identification. And that means that when he died, I died. When he died, you died. When he died, the sinner died. When he was condemned on the cross, it was the sinner that was condemned on the cross. When he was killed, it was the sinner that was killed. Praise the Lord. Now, this is total good news. I don't know if there's anything more powerful than what I've just said. I don't, I don't think there's anything more good news. I don't think there's any better news than what I'm presenting right now. And what I'm saying is that the sinner died with Christ. Christ died for the sinner, but also the sinner died with Christ. That means that the sinner cannot be punished for sin that has already been punished. And this is why we can safely say to believers that there's no more judgment for the believer in the future. Why? Because the punishment was placed on the body of Jesus on the cross. And we've just seen that that punishment was also made on the, uh, on the sinner on the cross. Because the sinner died with Christ. When Christ died, the sinner died. When the uh, Christ was buried, the sinner was buried. And when Christ rose from the dead, the sinner did not resurrect. Praise the Lord. Now that is powerful. Let me go uh, I just go over that again. When Christ was crucified, the sinner was crucified with him. When he died on the cross, the sinner died on the cross. When he was buried, the sinner was buried with Christ. But when Christ rose from the dead, the sinner did not rise from the dead. The sinner remained in the grave. How be it? The one that resurrected is no more called a sinner, but a believer. The one who is re who resurrected with Christ is no more called a sinner, but a saint. Praise the Lord. When he raised, when Christ rose from the dead, saints rose up with him. Saints were resurrected up with him. Praise the Lord. In the newness of life. This is what is totally new about this life is that the old man remained in the grave. The new man is the one that was raised up to, uh, to life with Christ. The Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verses 17, Wherefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creature. That word new implies that there was an old. Where is the old creature? The old creature remained in the grave. The old creature remained in the grave. The new man rose up with Christ in the newness of life. That is total good news. There is no better news than what I've just said. When Christ rose from the dead, 
the sinner did not rise with him. How be it? The new man in Christ. The new man in Christ. If any man be in Christ, is a new man. is a new creature. The Bible says, Behold, all things have passed away. That way to pass away means to die. Not so. Don't we say that when someone dies, dies, we say he has passed away. The Bible says old things, including the old man and all his habits and all the bad things, all the bad character, it remained in the cross. It passed away. It died. Hallelujah. That is good news. I was just saying that because, because Christ was punished on the cross, there is no punishment for sin in the future of the believer. In the future of the believer. Why? Because Christ paid the penalty for the believer. Number two, Christ is identified fully with the believer in the punishment and in the payment for the, for the sin on the cross. What does that mean? That is good news for believers. However, though it is good news for believers, yet it is not good news for the sinner. The sinner can only appropriate what I'm talking about, making it your own. You can only appropriate or benefit from what I'm saying if you make Jesus Lord over your life. And to close with this illustration, though we have shared all this good news, though we are saying that the shed blood of Jesus has power to save, yet that blood can only save when it is applied. Now, we see a practice in the Old Testament during the Passover when the children of Israel were about to be released from the bondage in Egypt. God gave them an instruction. It says every family should be in their house. Then God told the fathers to do something that you are going to kill a goat, an animal, and you're going to get the blood of the lamb or of the goat and place it on the lintel and on the doorpost of your house. The Bible says that the reason why they were doing that is that the angel of death was going to pass over every place where there was going to be blood. So in obedience, in obedience to God, they went ahead. Every family had a lamb killed and blood placed on the doorposts and blood placed on the lintels. And when the angel of death came in Egypt, the Israelites that were living in Goshen and all those who had obeyed the instruction, the Bible records that there was no man that died. There was no animal that died. However, in Egypt, in mainland Egypt, the Bible says every man lost the firstborn of their family. 
But over Israel, the Lord passed them over. Why? Because the blood that was placed on the lintel, the blood that was placed on the doorpost was speaking for the family, was speaking for the family. That blood is a shadow. The Bible says the Old Testament includes shadows of things yet to come, things which now have been fulfilled in the New Testament. We see Christ referred to as the Passover lamb, which means that the act that was done thousands of years in Egypt was a representation of what was going to happen. You see, the Bible instructed every man to kill a lamb and have the blood of the lamb drained in a dish or in a basin. Then get hyssop, which was just like a weed, dip it in the basin and apply the blood on the lintel. Apply the blood on the doorpost. That is exactly what these people did. And because they obeyed that instruction, the Bible says when the angel of death flew over the land, the all of Israel, the all of the people of God, no one, no single family lost a member of their family. Why? Because they moved in obedience. Now, I want to make a point real quick here. You see, the lamb was killed. The blood was drained in a basin or in a dish. You see, the blood had power while it was in the dish. But the blood had no power to save the family if it was not applied. The blood only had power to save after being applied on the doorpost, after being applied on the lintel. What am I trying to say? This is a picture of what happened on the cross. The blood that was shed on Calvary has got power. And I keep on emphasizing this point that we can sing that there is power in the blood, wonder waking power in the blood of the Lamb. Yes, and that is true. However, that blood does not have power until it is applied, until it is applied to a sinner until it is applied on the soul of the sinner, then that blood will go will swing into action and make the sinner clean. And make the sinner clean. While the blood was in a basin in Egypt, it could not save a family. But as soon as it was applied on the lintel, as soon as it was applied on the doorpost, the blood contained the power to save every man that was in the house. So dear listeners, you are listening to me right now. And you acknowledge that indeed Christ died. You acknowledge that Jesus shed his blood. You have done very well. You have done very well. Indeed, and I agree with you, there is power in the blood of Jesus. But you can only appropriate or cause what Jesus did to benefit you if you apply that blood on your sinful soul. It is like soap. Soap, while it is seated, while it is just placed on the, on the soap holder, has no power over the man that is dirty. Of course, it has the ability to remove debt, but it will only do so when it is actively gotten from where it is and applied on the place that is dirty and rubbed. So you see, 
It is a similar thing uh, with that allegory. The blood of Jesus has all the power. However, it has no effect on the sinner if it is not gotten and applied. So you need to get the blood and apply it on your sinful soul. And the Bible says God is faithful and just. He is faithful and just to forgive you all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, you may be saying, Brother Mueller, what do I really need to do to ensure that the blood that was shed on Calvary is applied on my sinful soul? What can I do to appropriate the work of Christ and benefit from what he did on Calvary such that that blood can be applied on my soul to make me whole again, to wash my sins away, to bring, to, to, to bring cleansing to my soul? You see, that is a good question and that is the right a question to ask. I'm going to read one or two scriptures just to quickly help us uh, what we need uh, to do. The first scripture that we're going to read is found in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number uh, 16. In fact, I'm going to read both accounts from the book of Acts. I'll start with Acts chapter number 2. I'll start with Acts chapter number 2. Now, Acts chapter number 2 is an account of the day of Pentecost. The Bible says all the believers were together in one place, about 120 men and women, and they were praying and waiting on God. The Bible says suddenly there came a sound as of a mighty crashing wind and it filled the place where they were sitting and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and there appeared unto each one of them clothing tongues of fire and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues. So just some context, the, the, uh, those who heard what was happening, some of them started mocking saying, these men are just drunk with new wine. But the Bible says Peter and the eleven, he stood up and said, men and brethren, we are not drunk as, as, as you suppose. Because this is morning. I mean, this is just too early in the morning. We are not drunk. What you are seeing is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel that says, in the last days I will pull out my spirit upon all flesh. Now, after Peter preached, the Bible says they were pricked. To the heart, and I'm going to begin to read from from verses 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And that is the question that you are asking. What shall I do? You've talked about the power of the blood of Jesus. You've said that that blood has no power over me until I reach out to it and cause it to cleanse my soul. This is the same question that these individuals were asking. What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions or for the removal of your sins and you shall receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. Now, the word repent just means to change your mind, to change your mind. And uh, uh, this will be paraphrased even as we go further. So let's look at Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. I'll begin to read from verses 20. 28 and just for for the for, for the sake of a quick context you can read the whole chapter but this is an account of Paul and Silas the bible says that they were put in prison for the gospel for preaching the gospel when it was midnight the bible says they began to sing uh, praises to God and other prisoners were able to hear them but that at midnight and I'll, I'll begin to read from verses number uh, 26 and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands loosed and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled but Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So you see, this is another man asking a similar question. What must I do to be saved? I want us to read in the same book of, of uh, okay, let me read 31 to see the response. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8 and verses. And again, just to provide context, this is the evangelist Philip. After he had preached in the city of Samaria, the Holy Spirit took him to a place and he was preaching to um, an Ethiopian eunuch. So I'll start reading from, uh, uh, from verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither, to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he, that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth. And began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, 
if you believest with all your heart, you may be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So you see, what must I do? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus. So you see, salvation is not received by works. It is received by faith. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. The eunuch confessed, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In the book of Romans, chapter number 10, from verses 9, the Bible says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Another version says, If you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. But with the heart, one believes and he is saved. And so, what am I saying? What you need to do to appropriate or to benefit from the blood of Jesus, the cleansing power of the blood is that you need to believe on Jesus. You need to confess him as Lord. Because the Bible says every tongue shall confess him as Lord. Praise the Lord. So if you're, if you're out there, you're saying, uh, please help me. I want to commit my life to Christ. I want to start a new journey with Christ. That is a good decision that you've made. I'm quickly going just to guide you what you need to do. So I've shown you the scriptures. I've shown you what to do. So what you need is to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. But you also need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want uh, you to pray along with me and believe and cause this prayer to be your own prayer and invite Jesus in your life. The Bible says he's knocking at the door of your heart. So by faith, by praying this prayer, you're literally opening. You're opening up for him to come in and dine with him and you're with him. So just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you today for the message that I've heard. I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Thank you for the death of Christ on the cross. Thank you because my sins have been washed. I am a new creature. I am a child of God. In the name of Jesus, I believe that I am saved. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer, uh, dear listener, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, the Bible gives us an assurance of salvation. You are saved. You are saved because it is by faith and not by works, lest any man should boast. So I'm going to encourage uh, those of us who have prayed that prayer to reach out to us so that we can see how we can uh, uh, help you as you begin your journey with Christ. Uh, You need help. The Bible says that uh, as newly born babes, as newly born babies, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That means that as a new uh, Christians, as a new Christian, you are like a baby. You require the milk of the word and you require a lot of help. Just like as physical babies require a lot of help from uh, grown-ups, even you as a new believer in Christ, you require a lot of help. So I want you to reach out to these numbers by text, by WhatsApp, by calling, and we're going to get back to you. We're going to help you with material and just pray with you so that God can help you through whatever it is that you may be going through. Otherwise, the decision you've made is an important decision. So the numbers are 0977 you can also call 0977 And we will be happy to help you. We'll be happy to link you or to connect you uh, to, to a Bible-believing church. And wherever, uh, wherever uh, uh, you uh, uh, stay, Whichever part of the country you live, we will be happy to make linkages to make your Christian walk uh, a, a, a good one. So let me just pray even as we close. Father, we thank you for having allowed us to share your word. Thank you for those who've committed their lives to you. We pray, Father, that you will help them as they begin their Christian walk to get established and grounded in your grace. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Dear listeners, thank you so much for having made time to tune in to this uh, radio broadcast. Please uh, continue listening. And we believe that God is going to change your life completely. It was your brother and your friend, Brother Miller. Shalom, shalom. Good evening, our dear listeners. I greet you. I greet you all in the name of Jesus. You are tuned into the Lovato Radio Show on Forza FM. And this is your brother and friend, Brother Mwila. And I bring you the gospel. I bring you good tidings. I bring you good news. Let us pray before we begin to share. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, we give you praise, 
We thank you for an opportunity to gather around your word. Thank you, Father, because we are looking into the perfect law of liberty. We pray that you will cause the entrance of your word to bring illumination, to bring light in every area of darkness. That the entrance of your word will cause the, wise, the simple to be wise in the name of Jesus. Father, I totally submit my thoughts. I totally submit myself entirely to you. Speak through my vocal cords. Think through my brains and let the mind of Christ alone be expressed on this program. I pray for our dear listeners, all those that are listening to me right now, that you will help them, Father. You will cause their hearts to be receptive to the truth of the scripture and that your Holy Spirit will convict or bring conviction to those that need even to give their lives to Christ in Jesus' name. Your name be glorified. Your name be lifted up on how we thank you because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all them that believe. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Uh, well, our dear listeners, I'm, I'm excited this afternoon, or is it rather evening, that I can be back on radio again to bring the gospel. I'm very excited because I believe that the gospel has power to save. The gospel is the power of God. Oh, praise the Lord. Uh, so this evening I bring you a message that I've titled Adams and the Gardens. Adams and the Gardens. I didn't have a better message, I mean a better title to call this uh, message. So I've just simply called it Adams and the Gardens. So we're going to first read from the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number 2, and I'll read from verses number 16. Genesis chapter number 2 from verses number 16, I go ahead of you. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden, Thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Praise the Lord. And then I'll go to chapter number 3, and I'll read from verses number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. 
But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew th- and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Praise the Lord. So I'll just provide a bit of background to, to what I've read. Of course, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. The book of Genesis documents how God created the heavens and the earth. And later on, after he had made all things, how he made his man, Adam. And later on, from the rib of the man, he made the woman, Eve, Adam's wife, and placed them in a garden and commanded them to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth. So that was the instruction that he gave them. But God also gave Adam a commandment. He told him that you can eat of any tree in the garden, but of one tree which was in the middle of the garden, which was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God commanded Adam that you shall not eat of that tree because in the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. So what we see here is that the serpent deceived Eve and Adam and they ate of the tree that God forbid them not to eat from. And I think we know what happened. They died. Because God said, in the day that you eat of this this tree, you shall surely die. And we know that God is not a man that he can lie. So the Adam and Eve died the very day that they ate of the tree. So what we see here in the book of Genesis is the man Adam, the first man, the first garden, and the act. So my first point is the first Adam, the first garden, 
and the act. So the first man that we see, of course, is Adam. The first garden is the garden where God placed them, which was the Garden of Eden. And the, and the act is the act of disobedience because they did contrary to what God taught them. They transgressed the commandment of God. They disobeyed God. Now, what we see from the scriptures is that the transgression and disobedience of Adam is actually the transgression and disobedience of all men. Now, to bring you to your attention that when God created Adam, he commanded them to fill the earth, which they have done. Because every man alive on the earth today is a product of Adam and Eve. We came from Adam. So which means that when Adam was sinning, when Adam was transgressing the law, when Adam was disobeying God, we all were in Adam. Now when I say all, I mean exactly everyone without exception. So be it Jews, be it Gentiles, we were all in Adam. And if I may be explicit to talk about races, be it Chinese, be it Asians, be it uh, uh, the, 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 the people of color, be it whites, think of every human being on the planet. We were all in Adam. So when Adam sinned, all sinned. When Adam transgressed the law, all transgressed the law equally. And we'll see uh, the Bible is replete of examples of scriptures that show that indeed the sin of Adam was the sin of all men. The sin of Adam was the sin of all men. Let me just quickly go to the book of, of um, Romans, Romans chapter number three, just to demonstrate uh, this point. Romans chapter number three, verses number, uh, I'll start from verse nine and 10, then I'll jump to 23. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have for we have before proven both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no not one. Praise the Lord. So what we see here is Paul's conclusion that both Jews and Gentiles are have sinned. They are under sin. And there's none who is righteous. So in the same breath, in the same thought, we jump to 23 and it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now that word all is without exception. It is completely everyone. 
referring to every human being, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is Romans chapter number 3. Now, I'll jump to Romans chapter number 5. I'll read from verses number 12 just to further demonstrate this point. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Now, when it says for us by one man, it is referring to Adam. It is referring to our first man, the first Adam. By one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men without exception. This is why the Bible says that it is appointed for man to be born once, then later on the judgment, later on the judgment. Every man that is born of a woman on the earth, he is destined to die. And this is what the scripture is talking about. And that death is the living proof that all of us were in Adam when he transgressed because death is a consequence of sin. Verses number 13, For until the law was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Verses number 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. I want you to take note of the word figure. And I also want you to notice something in verses number 14. It says that death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over every, every, everyone, even on those who had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. So why was this? Why did death reign upon all men, even those that didn't sin according to the similitude of Adam's sin? Because when Adam sinned, we all sinned. We were all in Adam. And that is the reason why death reigned. This is why uh, uh, even today, death still has power over us. Uh, when you are born, the next thing that you wait for is to die. Okay. So the point that I'm trying to make here is that Adam is a figurehead. As we have seen, the Bible says, who is a figure? of him that, uh, uh, that was to come. So Adam is a figurehead. Adam is a representative man. Every man that is born into the earth is born in Adam. He is in Adam. He is carrying the seed of Adam. Now, the sin of Adam is contained in his seed. 
And this is why the sin of Adam has been passed on from generation to generation from the time of Adam to the baby that has been born now. Why? Because that sin lives in the seed of Adam and it has been passed on from generation to generation to generation. And this is why every man feels the effects and suffers the consequences of sin, though they did not sin after the manner of Adam. So that is my first point. I want you to take note and to remember one important word that we've said, Adam is a figurehead, is a representative Man, So, I move on to the second point. The second Adam, the second garden, and the act. My first point was the first Adam, the first garden, and the act. And just to, 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 to uh, recap, by reason of recapitulation, what I'm saying is the first man, Adam, the first garden, the garden of Eden, and the, and the act, the act of disobedience is what brought every man into the mess in which we find ourselves. It is what introduced sin in the world. That is what introduced death into the world. That is what introduced the curse into the world. Now, the second thing that we see, the second Adam the second garden, and the act. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter number 15. 2 Corinthians chapter number... 1 Corinthians, rather. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And I'll read verses number 45. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verses 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Other versions say was made a life-giving spirit. So what we see from this verse is that there are two Adams in the scriptures. The first Adam is the Adam that we see in the book of Genesis. Then there's also what is called the last Adam, who have referred here as the second Adam. And it is actually the right way to, 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 to describe him is the last Adam. Because uh, the, the concept of the second Adam may mean that there will be a third one, but he is the last Adam. So the last Adam, the last garden, and the act. So we see Jesus being described as the last Adam. Why is he being called the last Adam? Because definitely we see that after him, we still see human life continuing. We still see men, children being born from uh, women. 
Why is Jesus referred to as the last Adam? Why is he the second Adam? Why is he even called Adam? So we see the first Adam is the man that God created from the earth. The last Adam is unique in one respect. He is unique in that he is the only man after the first Adam who is not born out of the lineage of Adam. Jesus is not born from the line of Adam. When you trace his his genealogy, you won't find Adam. Of course, when you read the book of Matthew, you will see Adam being mentioned according to the flesh, but we see from his conception that he was not born of the seed of a man. Remember what I said? I said that the seed of Adam is transmitted from generation to generation through the seed of Adam. Through the seed of Adam. That seed is found in a man and it is transmitted from one generation to the next generation. From the conception of Jesus, what we see is that his conception was by the power of the Holy Ghost. The prophets, the prophets about Jesus says, A virgin shall conceive and give a birth to a child. Praise the Lord. The virgin shall conceive. The virgin shall conceive and she did conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see when, uh, uh, when the angel Gabriel appeared before Mary to announce the good news, the good tidings of that which was uh, to happen. She says, do not be afraid because you have found favor with God in the sight of God. The power of the Holy Ghost shall overshadow you because Mary was asking, how shall these things be? Considering that I'm a virgin, how, how will I become pregnant? The angel replied, the power of the Most High shall overshadow you and that which shall be conceived by you shall be called holy. So we see that Jesus is the only man that is exempted from the sin of Adam because he bypasses the seed of Adam. Therefore, he is the only man born into the earth that is not born with the original sin, that is not born with the sin of Adam. And it is for this reason, this very reason, that he is qualified to bring redemption to mankind. Why? Because he does not have sin. He did not have sin. He was not born with sin. And that is the sole reason why he's qualified to die on the cross and his blood accepted by the justice, the justice system of heaven has been a sufficient payment for the disobedience and for the sin of mankind. He is the last Adam. 
Now, what is the second garden or the last garden? The second garden here, I'm referring to the garden of Gethsemane. We all know from the Gospels what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says that it was there in the Garden of Gethsemane that, that, that Jesus began to be exceedingly sorrowful. The Bible says that sweat began to drop as thick as blood dropping, and he was extremely sorrowful. And he says, the cup that my father has given, shall I not drink it? He says, Father, if it was your will, cause that this pass, this cup may pass by, may pass by, but not my will, but your will. It was in the garden of Gethsemane that he accepted that he obeyed what his father had instructed him to do. It was in that garden. Remember that for Adam, it was in the garden of Eden that he disobeyed and brought sin into the world, and through sin, death reigned upon all men. We see that the last Adam, the decision was also made in the Garden of Gethsemane. He accepted to be a sin offering for man. He accepted to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Praise the Lord. So we'll see 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 45, Now, look at 47. The first man is of the earth. The first man in this case is Adam. He is of the earth. He was made from the soil. He was made from the dust of the earth. And the Bible says he is earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Praise the Lord. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Now, the first man is of the earth. That is his source. This is why he's called a human being, a humus, a humus. His substance is of the earth. But the second man is the Lord from heaven. He came from heaven. Praise the Lord. He came from heaven. He did not come from, uh, uh, from the earth. He wasn't made from the earth. He came from heaven. He himself said, no man has seen the Father except he that has descended from heaven. Him has seen the, uh, the, uh, the Father. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, what act did, did Jesus do? Because we've looked at the second Adam, we've looked at the garden, and we, now we need to look at the act. The act is the act of obedience, and this is the act where Jesus accepted to pay the penalty for the sins of the world. Praise the Lord. I'll read Romans chapter number 5 again and uh, verses number 18. It says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, remember, this one is Adam, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Verses 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made 
sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Praise, praise the Lord. Now that is powerful. That is powerful. By, the, by one man's disobedience, the first Adam, many, and you see, the right way, the right interpretation of this is not, is not really to say many, it is to say all. Because like I indicated earlier on, it is without exception. All were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Praise the Lord. By the obedience of one, and that is in reference to Jesus. Hallelujah. So, what do we see here? We see that Jesus is the second Adam because he is the first man after Adam that was created. The first one created from the earth, the second one as the Lord God from heaven. That is Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, the question that I have for you based on my submission, we see two things. It is either you are in Adam or you are in Christ. You are either in Adam or you are in in Christ. So the Bible can be summarized in a very, very simple way. There are two men in the Bible notwithstanding all the other characters that are important uh, 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 who were taught about in Sunday school, they are all important. But it boils down to two men. And the names of these two men is Adam, the first Adam, and the last Adam, or the second man, as it were. Okay? These two are figureheads. What do we call them? We call them figureheads. Or we call them representative men. And this is why I'm saying it is either you are in Adam or you are in Christ. There are only two things. You cannot be Wagava. You cannot be in both. You cannot be an intersection set. It is not possible. You are in Adam or you are in Christ. Okay? Now, and my question is, where are you? Are you in Christ or are you in Adam? If you are in Christ you will suffer the consequences of the judgment of Adam. God said in the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. It means that you will suffer, or actually you are suffering from the judgment of God. You are dead to God. You are separated to God. You are in your transgressions. You are in your sin. If you died today, you are going to wound up in hell. You are going to wound up away from the presence of God. 
But if you are in Christ, you have a blessed hope. You are blessed and you receive the blessings of being in Christ. You receive the blessings of being righteous, of being right with God. That is what that means. The Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 17, Wherefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise the Lord. If any man be in Christ, now the word if, if is a conditional word, is a conditional word. So it's either you are in Christ or you are not. And like I said earlier on, if you are not in Christ, you are certainly in Adam. You see, it's like, um, I think of it this way. If I'm not if I'm not in Livingstone, then I am away from Livingstone. Okay? If I'm away from Livingstone, then I'm not in Livingstone. If I'm Livingstone, I'm away from every other place because I can only be in one place at any given time. So 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 just to make uh, that uh, that concept quite easy to uh, to grasp it is either you are in Christ or you are in Adam if any man be in Christ if any man be in Christ if you are in Christ then you are not in Adam otherwise if you are in Adam then you are not in Christ and you cannot be in both and you cannot jump from Christ to Adam uh, when you choose. So you choose where you are. And this is why I'm asking you this question, where are you? Are you in Christ or are you in Adam? Are you in Christ or are you in Adam? So you see, the decision is yours. And I'm going to quickly read us a scripture in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number uh, 30. Deuteronomy chapter number 30. And I'll read verses number 9. Deuteronomy chapter number 30 and verses number 9. And verses number 19 rather. Deuteronomy 30 verses number 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both you and your seed may live. Praise the Lord. So you see, you have a choice to make between life and death, between the first Adam and the last Adam. Between the first man and the second man, the choice is yours. The Bible says, choose life so that you and your household may live. Choose life. So uh, 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 this evening, as I'm speaking uh, to you right now, I encourage you, choose Christ. Choose Christ. And choose Christ while it is yet called today. Choose Christ when you are able to. I come to you as an ambassador of Christ, pleading with you, 
be ye reconciled with God. Second uh, Corinthians 5 verses number 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's steady, be ye reconciled to God. Uh, dear listeners, wherever it is that you are listening uh, uh, from us uh, this evening, I beseech you. I beg you, choose Christ. Choose life. And the Bible says when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So this very evening, I encourage you to choose Christ. I encourage you to choose life. You see, when you look at your life, you notice that your life is messed up. You have been moving in circles. Nothing seems to be making sense. Give Jesus a chance. Give him a chance to become Lord over your life. Give him a chance to become manager of your life. Give him a chance to become the boss of your life. That is what it means when, uh, when we say Lord. It means master. It means someone who owns uh, uh, something or, or, or someone. Give Jesus that chance. And I come to you this evening as an, amb- an ambassador. I'm pleading with you. I beseech you. I'm praying for you. Be ye reconciled to God. God has already reconciled himself by the death of Christ on the cross. God has made his... Uh, his mind known regarding sin, regarding your life, and that is that God has reconciled himself uh, uh, to you. So run back to God and you will run back to you. Uh, walk back to God and you will walk back to you. Choose Christ this evening. Choose Christ. Make a decision to follow Christ and your life will never be the same again. This evening I sense in my spirit that there is one person, there's someone out there that is listening to me right now. You have been procrastinating. You know that your life is not making sense. You, 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 you have been saying one day, one day I want to really commit my life to Christ and I want to tell you this evening, your one day is today, your one day is now, your one day is today, your one day is now. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Revelations chapter number 3 verses number 20. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and by the preaching of this word, by the hearing and the testimony of this word, he is knocking at the door of your heart and asking you whether he may come in.
praise the Lord. The Bible says when you open your heart, he will come in and dine with you and you with him. So I plead with you, open the door of your heart and let the king of glory come in. Let Jesus come in. Let him become the difference in your life. Let him become the one that uh, caused the shots in your life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm really praying for you that every pile of darkness that has been uh, keeping you away from seeing the true beauty of Christ, that it is broken, that that veil that prevents you from seeing the love of God, that it is broken this evening. I pray for you that the Holy Spirit is ministering and tugging on your heart and convicting you. And right now you are under the conviction of the Holy Spirit do not fight it. Do not fight him. This is your day. This is your day. Love your salvation and do not harden your heart. Now you might be asking, so how do I make things right with God? How do I, what, what do I need to do uh, to commit my life to Christ? Uh, I go to church. I try by all means to do good things. What, what do I need to do? So you see, salvation is Nothing has nothing to do with what you do. It has nothing to do with works. It has everything to do with faith. It has everything to do with you believing that indeed God sent Jesus to come on the earth and he died a gruesome death on the cross and that he was buried and that on the third day he rose from the dead according to the scriptures and that is the gospel message that I present to you this evening and when you believe that in your heart the Bible promises that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and one thing I can tell you brothers and sisters is that God can be trusted he does not say a thing that he does not mean and he does not mean the thing that he doesn't say praise the Lord so I tell you if he says call upon his name, just call upon his name this evening and he will answer you. He will answer you. You don't have to shout it, but you just have to have it in your heart because God is interested more in the state of your heart than in what comes out of your mouth. Praise the Lord. Now quickly in the book of Romans chapter number 20, from verses number 8, the Bible says, what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth, even in your heart. And that is the word of faith that we preach, that if you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that if you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man confesses unto righteousness, and with the for with the for with the heart one believes and is made righteous, and with the mouth confession is made unto 
salvation. So what we see from Romans chapter number nine, chapter number ten, verses eight to ten, is that there are basically two things that are involved in the salvation of a man. There's the aspect of believing in your heart. You will need to believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And in essence, what you are doing is that you are acknowledging, you are accepting that the second man, that the last Adam, Jesus, he was born into the earth, born of the virgin, that he died on the cross, that he was buried, and that on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that he was raised for our justification. And when you believe that, you will be justified, praise the Lord. When you believe that, you will be justified. And when you verbalize and confess that which is in your heart, that which you believe, the Bible says, you shall be saved, praise the Lord. Now, I'll be very happy this evening for those that are saying, uh, please, uh, Brother Miller, pray for me, pray for me. I really want to commit my life to Christ. I really want to make things light, uh, 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 right with God. I want to begin a, uh, on a new slate. I want to begin my, my life anew. I'll be very happy to pray with you. The prayer based on Romans chapter number 10. And I believe that God right now, his arms are wide open, waiting for you to come in. Waiting for you to come in. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the anointing and I see that a number of you are making that decision even right now. That power of the devil that has been holding you, it is broken even right now. In the name of Jesus, I release and loose you from whatever it is that binds. Oh, praise the Lord. You have been procrastinating. You have been saying that you're going to do it the following week, but I encourage you to do it now. I encourage you to do it right now. So wherever you are, just close your eyes and I want you to uh, pray uh, uh, with me. I want you to repeat this prayer after me, but make it a prayer coming from your own heart. Because like I said earlier on, God is interested in the state of your heart rather than in what comes out of your lips. Praise the Lord. So just pray this prayer. Pray it believing. Pray making it your own prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Because whoever comes to you, you shall by no wise cast away. I thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel that I've heard preached. I believe in my heart that Jesus has been raised from the dead. I believe in my heart that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, for my sin. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And with that prayer, I invite you to be the Lord of my life. From today, henceforth, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So, well, dear listener, if you prayed uh, that prayer earnestly, you prayed it from the depth of your heart, I can guarantee you, I can promise you, based on Scripture, whoever comes to him, he shall by no means cast away. God has accepted you in his family. You belong to the family of God. You are saved. Your name is written in that Lamb's book of life. You have been born again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, dear listener, I want to encourage you. You've just prayed that prayer. I'm going to shout out numbers and I encourage that you call these numbers to receive more information on your walk with Christ to receive any help that you may need uh, with regard to, 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 to your spiritual pilgrimage, with regard to your spiritual uh, journey from henceforth. I'm going to shout numbers. Please feel free to call, to text, to WhatsApp, and we're going to be happy to send you material just to help you grow because the new birth is a journey. It starts as a journey. The new birth is like being born as a baby. And when a baby is born, the baby needs care. The baby needs to grow. The baby needs milk. Later on, the baby will require food, solid foods. And this is what we want to offer ourselves to, uh, to, to help with, to help with material, to, 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 to help if you don't have a church of your own or a Bible-believing church, we'll be happy to recommend a church near the area where you live. So the number, the numbers are 977 41737 You may also call 0977-945913 and uh, we'll be happy to uh, to, uh, to help you. So this has been your brother and friend, uh, Brother Mwila. I'm happy to have spent uh, almost an hour with you on, on, on radio. And I believe that your life will never be the same again. Shalom, shalom. Till I meet you next week, God bless you and stay blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, I want uh, the, the choir, just one person on there. We'll just do one more worship chorus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't know if my voice is that good to sing, <coughs> but I'm sure you will help me. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise, Lord. Now the Lord is our spirit, and what the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We thank you for liberty in the spirit. We thank you because we
Jesus. Thank you because we have come to have fellowship. We have come to have fellowship. Because our fellowship with the Father, our fellowship with the Son, our fellowship with the Spirit. We have come for going on with your Holy Ghost. We thank you this morning for your presence, for your manifest presence in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the rivers of living water that are flowing and the leadership of the church for allowing us to come and share this platform with him and to share the word of God with the people. It is such a humbling uh, moment. So thank you so much, Pastor Sir. Hallelujah. Amen. So this morning, my assignment is very simple. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. My job is very simple this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm speaking on a subject that the Holy Ghost has entitled Releasing the Rivers of Revival. Releasing the Rivers of Revival. Hallelujah. Amen. And of course, our, our general theme for this conference is this glory and power. Yeah, so, so we, we thank God for what He's doing. So, so if you have your Bible, I kindly turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Chapter number 53. And I'm going to read from verses number 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot. And like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty. To attract us to him. 
Nothing in his appearance that would desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with grief. Like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he took our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. Yet we consider him stricken by God. Smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. I'm going to jump to verses number 8. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. So my key verse here is verses number, number 8b. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut from the land of the living. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter 1. Tell someone that you've come for Bible study today. We are going to read the Bible. Amen. Matthew 1 verse 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah. And his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah. Perez. Who, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz's mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, 
I'm going to jump on to verses number 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, Hallelujah. So those are the generations of Jesus according to the flesh. Isaiah 53 said, Who shall declare his generations? Because he was cut off from the land of the living. So you see, the genealogy that we are reading about ends with Jesus. And Isaiah says he was cut off from the land of the living. Hallelujah. Acts chapter number one. And we are reading verses number one. Acts chapter number one. Verses number one. Are we there? I'll, re- I'll go ahead of you. In my former book, Theophilus, in my former book, Theophilus is a person, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Somebody said began to do. And Jesus began to do and Hallelujah. Verses number two. Until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit. To the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering. He showed himself to these men. And gave many convincing proofs. That he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? to them. It is not for you to know the time and the date the Father has set in his own power. 
But you will receive power. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And in all today. And Samaria. And unto the uttermost parts of it. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's a Bible study. John chapter number 4 verse 1. John chapter 4 verse 1. We'll just be, we'll do nothing but reading today. Is that okay? We'll just read. Praise the Lord. John chapter number 4. And we're reading verses number 1. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, he was, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Saika. Near the plot of ground. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you know the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. Sir, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? 
who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But also, ever drinks the water that I give him will never thirsty. Indeed, the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water. up to eternal life. Hallelujah. Amen. John chapter number 7, verse 37, the Bible says, On that last day, Jesus cried out with a loud, with a loud voice saying, Is any man thirsty? Let him come unto me. And he who believes in me, we also as the scripture says, out of his belly. Hallelujah. My message, like I said earlier on, is releasing the rivers of revival. Hallelujah. Now, what we have read from Isaiah 53. That Jesus was cut off from the living. And from Matthew chapter number one, we see that the book of the generations of Jesus it ends with Jesus. No, no, no. 
when you receive Jesus, Christ, the Holy Ghost came on the inside of you. Yeah, yeah, oh, professor, I got a Hallelujah. Amen. All the positive things you are seeing. So the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. Hallelujah. However, that well is limited. It is a Yes. 
If it passes in a dry period, believers begin to be alive. It brings to it brings to life and which was dead. This is why we are confident. In that which God has placed on the inside of us, we can dare the sick. Come, you will be healed. We can tell you, bring the things. They walk out of this place. Why? Because rivers of So we went. 
wire. We entered the world. There were about six patients. And about eight others were helping. Now eight So it was packed. Our challenge. So when we to sister, everyone was nine if you allow us, once you finish, we can have change. Our party, they said, please go on. We can have change. So we go there. Before we pray for you, I know that the is the simplest thing that can happen. I want to pour a change to my but this is which is salvation. The salvation of your spirit. Who puts the compassion? Salvation of your soul. Who puts the compassion of your Everyone. Listen. So we let them to the Lord. We got them. What you have received. But yes, I believe that like a whale. Pamon gets But you need no let me
That revival is starting. It is springing forth. Because believers are taking their place. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. A former church is the very grand of Jesus. Of all that Jews began to do, every year to teach. Believers continue doing that. Now when the day of And that is Christ 
in me. Multiplicity, 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 multipl
Hallelujah. Amen. You can do greater work. 